0: How do you grow like a VC-backed company without taking on investors? Do you want to create a lifestyle business, a performance business, or an empire? How do you scale to an exit without losing your freedom? Those are the questions, and this show is the answer. Welcome, everybody, to the Scale Up show. This is your host, Ryan Staley. I have a very special guest on today. I have Gina Bianchini, who is the CEO and founder of Mighty Networks. That's actually where creators and brands grow businesses powered by community. Before she was at Mighty Networks, she was the first entrepreneur in residence at Andreessen Horowitz. Got some questions for you on that. And then in addition, she also serves on the board of directors at Tegna, as well as Scripps Networks, which is a $14.6 billion publicly traded company for HGTV, which my wife would love, the Food Network and the Travel Channel. Gina, welcome. Happy to have you on.
1: Thanks for having me. I appreciate yeah, it.
0: Super excited. I love your background. you got some really cool things that you've done throughout your career. So can't wait to tap into that and um, understand. So you know, before we kind of get deeper, I figure it makes sense to do just kind of a quick revenue rundown so that everybody has kind of an understanding of where you're at in the journey now, um, mm-hmm. not with what you've done before. And then we can kind of get into a little deeper there. So we're kicking things off. What kind of range are you in for annual recurring revenue or kind of where you're at in your revenue life cycle?
1: Yeah. So we have been over doubling revenue year over year for the last three years at this point. Uh, And we are north of, uh, well north of 10 million in ARR, annual ARR. And so obviously annual ARR. Uh, And Beyond that, we don't really talk about our revenue numbers, but it it has been drinking out of a fire hose.
0: <laughs> well, that's I mean, t- ten million plus is a big number, so that's great. So that's that's an awesome. Understanding. How about like, what's your go to market strategy? Are we talking product led, marketing, sales?
1: <laughs> what led. would you say? I even led. like, we were product led before product led was like a term. Um, so the you know, I I the way our business works. Is that it is it is essentially an organic and viral growth model, uh, and I'm happy to talk about it. And one of many reasons why I love community uh, and communities, and why Mighty Networks is, you know, again, we say it humbly, the best community platform period out there on the um, on the internet today. Uh, and I'll share more about that. You know, as, yeah, as we get definitely.
0: We'll we'll def- we'll get into that because there, there's some pretty cool things, um, and I love that the virality of it. Product led growth is kind of the the cool kid at the party right now. So yeah, we'll, like we'll def- I
1: keep finding that these things that have been very obvious to me for a, a decade are now like they get they got a term and they're cool, and I'm like, at some point, that's kind of awesome.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, it's just you know you go you put a sexy wrapper on it. I, I found that like, I know.
1: I know, to the sexy yeah, I like love it, the sexy wrapper.
0: So one of my, and this, I'm totally digressing here, but I'm going to tell it anyways. So Please. one of my uh, friends got, I think it was called, I was looking at it, It's called like Death, Death Something or whatever, and I look at the can. This was on Halloween. I'm like, what the hell is this? And I look at it, it's a can, and it looked pretty cool, awesome packaging, and it was a can of water. And the first thing I said is, I'm like, where'd you get this? It was my friend's wife. I'm like, where'd you get this? And she's like, oh, I got it at Whole Foods. I'm like, oh, I can't wait to hear how much this costs. I'm like, "Liquid death, did... Liquid death. Liquid yeah, yeah, death. Yeah. yeah, that's it. Liquid death. And it was like $18 a 12-pack or something ridiculous like that. Yeah, it was For like a, like a case of beer. Anyways, that's the power of packaging. So, all right. How big's your team?
1: Uh, we are 160 people.
0: Wow. 160 people. Okay. You started to tap on your solution a little bit. Can Mm -hmm. you give us a really quick summary about what it is exactly and what it does in like less than 30 seconds?
1: Yeah. So we give people a way to create online courses, online community, memberships and subscriptions all in one place, all under their brand and instantly available on the web and every mobile device.
0: I love that. Okay. We're definitely going to get deeper on that. And then are you bootstrapped or funded? We are funded. Okay. Excellent. So, okay. So I think that's a great breakdown. 10 million plus, product-led growth, 100 plus people. Um, Okay. So as we kind of progress forward, you, you have obviously a really interesting background, kind of what I tapped on. So can you just talk through your journey on how you got to this point today? Let's say your professional career. And we'd just love to hear any kind of, like, Areas or experiences that really, really shaped you in, in terms of founding a company and, and where you got to today.
1: Yeah, so I um, I grew up in Silicon Valley. I grew up in Cupertino, where Apple's headquartered, and um, and went to Stanford. And when I was in my s- junior year, j- between my junior and senior year, I decided. I want to try this whole business thing out because it just seems like you could be really creative. You could have a positive impact on people's lives. You could make money that would actually allow you to have influence over the things that I cared about. And so I went into business and I got a job in, uh, in investment banking, which was like, the hot career at the time I graduated from, from college and went to New York and then San Francisco. And I just happened to be in the right place at the right time as the whole dot-com boom happened and found myself in really interesting meetings and really interesting conversations and worked on uh, IPOs for um you know, some some fantastic technology businesses, one of which um, recruited me to come over and run acquisitions and equity investments and new business unit development for them, uh, Again, right, sort of in in the midst of the late '90s when it was like things were crazy and awesome, and then I left and I went to business school at Stanford. So I went back to Stanford for business school during really the height of like the craziness. So I like to think about myself as being more Rip Van Winkle in terms of the absolute insanity of the dot com boom. And graduated in 2000. At which point, mm. um, my boss from that company that I had uh, worked at, um, and 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 had moved over to a venture capital firm uh, called Sequoia Capital and called me up and was like, Gina, let's start a company. And it was with stuff that we had been working on at the, at the prior company. And so I was like, OK, sounds good. Um, and that was my, you know, started my, my career as an entrepreneur. And then basically during the dot-com bust, everybody left. And there was a a, a relatively small group of us who stayed and stayed and started and were working on some really interesting things. I was working on my own startup, again, which was in advertising and finance. Um, I had a very close friend who was at PayPal who was seeing all of these very early um, uh, user generated content or Web 2.0 businesses. And... Just found this amazing tribe and community of people that um, were paying attention to this intersection of where people and mm-hmm. technology intersected and it just totally made sense to me. And specifically, you know, having having grown up, the 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 challenge I was always obsessed with was how do people systems work? how do people systems work? Meaning how, how do we go from being in a culture that like everyone smokes to like smoking is the grossest thing that you could possibly imagine. How does that work? How does it work to change culture? How does it work to change organizational models? How does it, how does it work to change behavior? So when, when this first generation of social technologies hit, it just, they totally made sense to me. And then, um, after we sold my first startup, uh, one of my friends came to me and was like, "Hey Gina, let's start a company." And I was like, "Okay, why does this keep happening? Like, it's, it's like it's kind of weird." So I, I again said yes, and we started a platform uh, called Ning, which the goal of it was to create a programmable platform where you could have all of these primitives. That you could mix and match or build into whether it would be a photo app like Flickr at the time or a video app like YouTube at the time, or a wiki or a blog, um, you could you could do that. And and the and the first version of it didn't actually have a lot of people get excited about it because it was kind of too hard to use and. You know, there were fewer developers that wanted to build social applications. In fact, actually, what was so interesting is at the time, the term app, this was before the, the iPhone, um, mm-hmm. was described as like intimidating for people. Like application apps are too intimidating for people, um, which always, I think, is a great lesson for us as entrepreneurs, which, which is to know what our North Star is in terms of, of what matters. Um, so what we did is we essentially built a drag and drop um, interface and way of pulling in these different primitives, these this ability to have your photos and videos and wiki and blog together in one place under your brand, uh, and we launched it in February of 2007, and it took off overnight. So we went like from zero to like 30,000 of these networks created, um, I think within the first month. And they were for on, everything. Really? Yeah. Zero like to they. 8, wow. Well, yeah. Because remember, this is this is this is like MySpace had gotten people really comfortable with like tricking out their pages, and we came along with Ning to really be able to like make it so much more functional. So you know this this ability to have your own social network for your particular interest, your particular passion, your particular goal. Um was extremely popular. And so that was really exciting and and super awesome. And we grew it to uh, I think we we reached nearly a hundred million people around the world by the time I left. Um, and that was on a base of three million Ning networks created three hundred thousand active on a monthly basis. And it was the whole range of communities, the whole range of whether it was politics, hip hop artists, um, wow. you know, schools and and education and learning. And we ultimately sold Ning uh, and you know the the lessons that I took away from that were it was absolutely the right customer. this this is a person i I wanted to serve. And they were, you know, we we called them again back in 2007 creators. and you know, watching what they were creating, In terms of not just content, but in terms of full communities and cultures and ways of coming together around our unique interests and passions and goals and lifestyles and all of the things that make us who we are as people. I mean, it was... I knew I had found my, my calling. I knew I had found my home uh, and the thing I wanted to do. So fast forward, started Mighty Software. The first version of Mighty Software was, was actually, all of the demand was in the enterprise. And so what we found was we could build the underlying foundation of what today is Mighty Networks that is used by, again, tens of thousands. Um, we, we had, for example, 140,000 new Mighty Networks created last year. Wow. And that is just the the expansion and explosion was based on actually building out the underlying platform um, in in revenue partnerships and with customers like American Express and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and into it at a time and a moment when you know being a community platform wasn't necessarily popular, uh, but we did some incredible things. Really figured out how to scale communities from you know, you know, the atomic network level of like, you know, 10 to 30 members to networks that have half a million people in them. Uh, and that actually aren't loud and scary and chaotic and gross. Um, we figured out how to do that for individual creators and brands to be able to have their own community, their own space and their own you know choice of features to whether that's with Community courses, memberships, events, uh, subscriptions, uh, and I think you know what will be increasingly be some interesting ownership models and ec- economies uh, and currencies that are going to happen in communities increasingly from here.
0: Wow, it's a lot. You, you touched them all, though. You did. A, you did a great job. So, I, I mean. There's a lot, a lot of different areas we can go down to, but <laughs> I, I want to hit. So it seems like, you know, you came from that investment banking background. Would you say that that financials are your ninja skill or what's your ninja skill?
1: Um, no, I actually went into finance because it wasn't my ninja skill. And okay. I, I wanted, I was, you know, I was going to understand it and certainly have a lot of confidence in my ability to understand financials today. But rather, I would say... You know, the thing that, that I've always leaned into was just my ability to stay curious and to connect a lot of dots mm. and to be open to learning a bunch of things and pulling them together, but not being afraid of what's new. So, you know, God, it'd be so much easier to answer that question, Ryan, with like, oh, my ninja skill is marketing copy, or my ninja skill is like I could sell, you know, anybody on anything. I, I, don't, I-, I-, I don't think about myself that way. Um, I almost wish I did. It would make an easier answer.
0: <laughs> no, that's good. I mean, have you read the book, The Innovation Secrets of Steve Jobs?
1: Uh, I have, actually.
0: Yeah, it was one of the big points they they brought in there is innovation is what connecting the dots between seemingly unrelated things.
1: That's you right. know, and then
0: they gave the example about like there's it's funny, there's like a it's not a department store, but electronic store called ABT or apt. And it's huge. It's like an experience when you go to it. It's actually in Illinois. But right. the the founders took the idea of when they went to Vegas with all the marble and all the experience of a Vegas hotel and brought it to an electronic store. Like there's like a I don't know, 1 million gallon tank of fish tank. I mean, they serve fresh baked cookies. I mean, all sorts of weird things. So I love that. And do you think that's why people kept trying to rope you in to start another company? Because like, you look at, you're like, okay, if I'm looking at a market or I'm looking at what the opportunity is, there's a gap here. And this is how to create value and then how to monetize it. Would you say... That's why you kept getting sucked into startups. And, I, and when I say sucked in, I don't mean it negatively, but why people were attracted to you probably would be a better way to explain it.
1: Potentially. I mean, I think I brought something to the table, but I also think that it was it was even more practical than that, which is I work my ass off. I'm not afraid of anything. And I'm especially not afraid of being um, in the minority. Like I'm not afraid of having a idea or a conviction or a mission that hasn't been done yet, or that people don't believe can be done. And so when you combine those things, I make a pretty good partner because I'm willing to go for it. Yeah. And I bring enough to the table to be able to deliver on that, you know, that intention to go for it.
0: Okay. I love that. Hard work is one of my core values, so you're, you're <laughs> thinking from the same playbook that I have right here. So, um, so what was it like starting off earlier in your career at Andreessen Horowitz?
1: Well, I didn't start off early in my career. I mean, I did that right before, uh, right before Mighty Software, right before. Oh, okay, what that is was today, more, Mighty okay. Hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay. I, I, you know. Andreessen Horowitz did not exist at the beginning of my career. In fact, actually okay, let me, let yeah, 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 yeah. It it, it yeah, did not yeah. exist until 2009.
0: <laughs> so what what was it like working at Andreessen Horowitz? Let me rephrase that then.
1: Yeah, look, I, I think it's easier for me to answer the question of, you know, what what's it like to work closely with Mark Andreessen? And I would say that it it's great. You know, when you look at um when you look at just the number of dots that he is connected and the different ways in which he processes and consumes information and from all sorts of different sources and in all sorts of different ways, I mean, he's a pretty special guy um, that's done some pretty special things, including with Ben creating and, you know, an incredible VC firm that you would never know was only started, you know, whenever. 13 years ago, 14 years ago. Um, so I think that paying attention to what Andreessen and Horowitz does, how they're structured, what they're interested in, what they're looking at, you know, I, I, I've just always found uh, has not been a bad thing to pay attention to. It doesn't mean that they're always right, but who is? Uh, but only have nice things to say about Mark, Ben, the team there, and, and certainly my experience there.
0: Yeah, that's that's awesome. So is there, I guess, like from work in there, because you said that was right before Mighty. So what what was like the number one thing that you learned or applied from there when you founded Mighty Networks?
1: Um, well, so just as as context, I worked, Mark and I started Ning together before Andreessen and Horowitz. So I actually worked closely with him for... You know, over over seven years. So oh, wow. when okay. when I look at um, when I look at any new opportunity, I I'm looking at uh, and it certainly drove our experience and and certainly I think has uh, a lot to do with the momentum that we have now at Mighty Networks. Is uh, the world bends towards niches? It bends towards decentralization. It bends towards building your own brand in your own corner of the internet. And that the most powerful and profound thing about the internet is the fact that we can each have our own websites and that we can each have our own cultures. And it just is this proliferation of new, unique, interesting, vibrant experiences. And if you look at, you know, that is a fundamental thesis of where to spend one's time and, and as entrepreneurs and as founders, what we build, um, that's not ever been a thesis that, that it certainly goes out of favor, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and it goes in waves in terms of, you know, the centralization of the internet, which was really kind of what has become of what is today big tech. But now we see this new wave with, all sorts of interesting tokenization and and economic incentives that are emerging with crypto and and Web3. And again, I just, if we look at the world, it bends towards carving out your own corner of the internet, your own purpose. We talk about it as your big purpose at Mighty Networks, and and that is the motivation for your brand, for your community, for your content, what you represent to people and what you can offer them. Uh, and certainly that has served uh, served me very well and it's served many founders that have been in that larger ecosystem really well.
0: That's so profound, but tactical at the same time. So I-, I love the I love the the thought process of that. so and you are obviously articulate it well so I could tell you it connects with you at a deep level. So what would you say like obviously you had one hundred and forty thousand, I believe 140,000 basically communities started last year alone. Right. So I, I think that's amazing. And I know communities have been growing like wildfire. So let's start off on if someone doesn't have a community, what are they missing out on right now?
1: Not every brand needs a community. You know, I, 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 while I am a community maximalist, I am not a community <laughs> maximalist. So, community you maximalist. know, I, I think I think what is really important is um, what does a community bring to people? Uh, so number one, it, a community is a way for people to belong to something bigger than themselves. What do we know about brands? And again, as founders, it's like if you're sitting there listening to this and you're like, I want my brand to represent to people something bigger than any individual, but I, I, I want to I want to build something more around it. Then a community is is an obvious thing to do. Community is also the single best way that any of us can build skills, build new practices, change our habits, reinforce the ones that we like, and and make sure that we keep away uh, the ones we don't, or if we want to change habits. Atomic Habits was the number one book, number one book, anywhere in the United States last year. People have a hunger to change what they are doing in their day to day. And I would argue that a community is the single best way to do that. And hopefully that is not controversial to anybody. When you look at at the ways that communities have been applied um, and utilized for changing habits, changing skills, communities are also an incredible way of going deeper and learning Uh, and so when you think about, you know, whether it's career, whether it's health or wellness, whether it's about, um, you know, anything that you would have services and offer services around, there's an element of education that, that the best communities take advantage of. And so when you bring all of those things together, you know, there's a lot of reasons for people to want to join communities for founders or entrepreneurs that have, you know, bought into or creators that have bought into this idea that it's about content, content, content. I got to have a podcast. I got to have my blog. I got to have my SEO articles. I got to have, here's the, here's the other thing about community. It totally scales, it is sustainable, and it is not something that you are building that has to be 100% on your shoulders. Mm. Um, Because the best communities are connecting members to each other in pursuit of the results and transformation that they wanna have in their own lives. So building a community to help people um, meet each other, meet each other in pursuit of that big purpose, that motivation, those results and those transformations that people wanna have in their lives, probably for the same reasons that they're buying your your product or listening to your podcast, Um, Mm -hmm. that is the reason to have a community because not only, are you able to to actually do less work? On average, um, we see that successful communities on Mighty Networks, the the hosts of those networks, what we call the people that are are organizing or running the communities, um, they're only posting twice a week. They're not mm-hmm. writing gigantic articles. They're not, you know, they're they're not having to record. They're not having to feel like there's a term paper always due, uh, which sadly is the life of so many you know, so many marketers, so many content creators, so many revenue generators is like, oh my gosh, I have to be producing. I have to be like all the time. So twice a week. And we have also seen that um, the most active communities are those that have that big purpose where the the purpose of the community is clear. You know what you're going to, you know why you're there. So people are much more comfortable connecting and reaching out to each other, collaborating, um, meeting up, you know, having a regular having a regular touch poison or having a regular template for how we interact with each other. So, you know, then there's just the the you know the hard concrete benefits of a community. Retention, especially for SaaS businesses, acquisition, especially for SaaS businesses. For example, we found that um you know our 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 LTV to CAC ratio is off the charts because we have, we essentially invite people into mighty community, our own mighty network. We model, you know, our methodology and approach for building successful communities really easily called community design. And when we show and model people how to do this, what they find that they're like, oh, this is actually pretty easy and I like it and it's fun. So then they go and they create mighty networks then as they've created and are running their own mighty networks, uh, we want them in the community and in the community design accelerator and the things that we're doing. So you're not only, you're not only a host of a community, but you're also a member of a community. And what does that translate in our business? Very concretely retention, because the more people that are successful with you know, it's not just software alone. It's software, it's strategy, and it's support. And a community brings all of those things uh, for any SaaS business. Mm.
0: All right. So, I never thought, and there's a lot that I, I was taking some notes here. I, I suck <laughs> at typing, though, so like I, I got to take a class on typing. Speaking of skills. So, anyways, you were saying that um, bottom line is one of them. One of the top reasons people join a community is to change habits, which. It's funny, like I haven't read Atomic Habits, but I read Tiny Habits, which is the research behind Atomic Habits by, um, yeah. so I don't, know, I don't know if you've read that book, but great, great read if you love Habits. So, so wa- give me an example, um, of that, because I've never heard anybody connect communities and habits before. So I-, I know you just, you just gave me the gasped look, right? For yeah. those of you listening. But so walk Weight me watchers. through that. Oh,
1: <laughs> <AA. yeah. laughs> Um, That's true. That's true. Uh, masterminds, uh, and running clubs, biking clubs. If you, the list goes on and on. It, it, you okay. know, and and so when you're, so it's again, it's reinforcing habits. It's going deeper. It's it's it. Habits are around identity, and identity is reinforced by community. And I'll just give you though the simplest example that I can come up with, which is you know it's it's you know, the time of year when everybody, you know, wants to build a new habit, you know, they want to start running. So let's say the first thing that you do is you're like, I'm going to use all, and again, this is like not rocket science at this point. We each have limited self-discipline. So it it is a tank or a battery that gets used up. What a community lets you do is fill the tank up and sometimes, actually, not even have to tap into your own self discipline because it's just a part of the community that you do it. So, uh, you know, my favorite example of this is is the Slow AF Run Club. So, Martinez Evans, great influencer, creator of uh, back of the pack running, and uh, it is for him. It is not a weight loss journey. He has a great Instagram account at uh, three hundred pounds and running. And so in the Slow AF Run Club, you know, he runs a program for people who are just getting started. And are you more likely to want to start a running practice, uh, you know, in a a group of people that are embracing, show up in whatever form that you are showing up at that is about not only positive, you know, relationship to your body, but also like you don't have to be in great shape um, to get started, Or would you rather show up and like, you know, to a place that's super judgy? Although we, we have other communities. There's Wassell is another great brand, um, that has amazing women's running clubs again in, in their mighty network. And so then it's 6 AM, it's freezing. You're like, I don't want to get up. I don't want to do this. And you look at your phone. And your phone has like 14 notifications of people that were like, 6 a.m. came really early this morning, but I did it. I got up, I ran, here's a picture of me having run. Are you more or less likely to get your ass out of bed and run at that moment? Probably a little bit more likely. Or take the other extreme. You know, how do you get, like, how are you going to get better at your career? You know, today... It's about how you spend your time. How do you spend your time in the most effective ways? Well, one, you know, when you're accountable to other people, which mm-hmm. as entrepreneurs and founders is, is a little bit more challenging, which is why being a member of a mastermind makes so much sense. But then the other part that a community brings is the stories and experiences of other members. So for example, if I tell you how I spend my day and the questions that I'm asking and like something that I found that's working for me and somebody else is doing the same thing, you now have not just the content creator who showed up and there's like, oh, this is my framework for how you spend your time. But now you also have my story to pull from. You have someone else's story to pull from. You have the other person's story to pull from. And that is what creates a community that gets more valuable to every member with each new person who joins and contributes.
0: Love how you wrap that together. So give me some examples of communities that I know you mentioned a few right there. Any others that you think are blowing it out of the water, whether they're ones that you personally follow for yourself or just what you've seen on the network, any of them that you think are doing an amazing job, specifically with kind of the higher purpose or the bigger purpose?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. So, you know, some of our, uh, again, our, our most um, popular categories of communities on Mighty Today are in career or, you know, again, running masterminds. Um, uh, uh, this amazing community um, called 48 Eagles is killing it from just an activity perspective for their, their mastermind groups, uh, addition. What
0: do I've never heard of 48 Eagles? What, what kind yeah, of,
1: yeah, it, I think it's called
0: 48 know? Eagles. Kind, maybe I have heard of it. I don't know. It's yeah. Just, it's, it's, a, it's, annoying, a, it's basically
1: mastermind group 48 days Eagles. Here it is. Okay. It's Dan Miller runs it. Uh, and he was somebody who taught me like one of the coolest things, which is um, people pay attention to what they pay for. So especially for um, especially for entrepreneurs that have SaaS businesses, being able to um, being able to charge for memberships has been super important. And he's just done an incredible job with with Forty Eight Days Eagles. 48 days, Eagles. Then, additionally, um, I am a huge fan of, uh, and I'll share that link with you right here. And then I'm also a a, a huge fan of uh, Yoga with Adrian and their community, Find What Feels Good Kula. They do a 30 day yoga challenge every January and continued to grow it from, you know, I think they started with. 25,000 members that they brought over from a Facebook group and today they're they're probably pushing 250,000 um and that's all again um on their own corner of the internet so there's so yeah so there's so much that is just You know, bad information out there that says, oh, well, you have to be where all the people are, and, you know, no one will follow you to, uh, you know, to a a new platform. Um, Well, it's not about a new platform. It's not about somebody else's brand. It's about how do you build a community and a culture all your own away from the noise, away from the distractions of, of other platforms that are trying to. Collapse context and, you know, make the experiences of, of any community, um, you know, one three second view in in one aggregated feed. It just doesn't make any sense. It's not yeah. how we experience community and it's not how, uh, or I should say, it's not a natural way of experiencing community such that you get the most out of it and actually make it easy to run and manage.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I've experienced that firsthand with Slack communities huh. or with even Facebook because like it's so noisy. Sometimes you don't know what the hell's going on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it, it gets highly, highly distracting. So so let me ask you this, Gina, like <clears throat> what what's your thoughts in terms of, because like there's tons of SaaS founders out there, revenue leaders who don't have a community. And then there's kind of the the question of like, okay, do you go with the free community or like you said, people who pay, pay attention. Right. And, and so, or do you go with the paid route or, you know, like what's your thought on your thoughts on that? And then like for the paid route, like what are the ranges that you see in terms of the the people are charging?
1: Yeah. So, um, like any good, strategists, any good, like, what are your goals? So at at Mighty, we have both our free Mighty community, because we want as many people as possible to see us modeling this framework of community design. But we also have our paid private community within that. It's a course and a community together for community design. So they reinforce each other. Um, And the reason we charge is because we want people to pay attention. So we show it, we tease it, just like you would with any kind of um, you know, online product, but then we go deeper in, in a private paid community and course offered together. So what I would say in general is, it's really not a matter of whether or not you charge, um, how you, like, do you have a freemium model? How, how does it work? I think it really comes down to first and foremost, what is your goal? What is it that you are seeking to do? So for us, it is about how are we helping model uh, community design and community building for that, that next million, which is our big ambitious goal, our next million house, And then how do we create a path for people that want to raise their hand and go deeper to get even more value from it? and 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 that again is about how do we help people understand how to do this so that they can be successful and then how do we help them continue to grow stay on that journey and that is that is obviously retention so in terms of of you know what to charge you know it's all it's a little bit all over the place it's it's but I'll just I'll share our numbers so we have um you know, in our plans, we have uh, we have a free version of Mighty Networks, um, pretty limited. Uh, we have what we call our community plan, uh, which has all of our great community features. Uh, our business plan, which is the only plan anywhere in the market where you can have your course, your online courses, and community together in one place, with a lot more uh, granular options in terms of how to run a course and community. How to actually run live courses, which is which is how we got started with the community design masterclass and and, and today accelerator. And then we have a pro plan, which is actually uh, our enterprise version that you can get your own native apps. So you don't have to do custom development for uh, for uh, apps, and those have been incredibly successful. Um, people being able to have. A totally branded experience, including their own apps in the iOS and and or in the Apple App Store and the Google Play Store, and so fundamentally we have those different levels. So our community plan is um, uh, we just raised the prices on this. I think it's thirty nine dollars a month. Our business plan is one nineteen, and then uh, our Pro plan is ask us for the price, Uh, but it's cheaper than custom development um, and a lot faster and easier too. So then our community design accelerator is is our paid program that we continue to invest in. We have weekly workshops. We have um, sort of a a foundational set of um, uh, topics and frameworks that is um, retails at three forty nine. dollars Again, we could probably be selling it for thousands of dollars, but because what we really want is for people to come in, use it, and then have that combination of software, strategy, and support. But then, when you upgrade to our community or business plans, we we discount it to one forty nine. So that those are the numbers that that we have and use on. Um, on average, the successful... So so one of the things that's kind of... It, it was certainly surprising to us um, that, that these numbers were this high, but of the mighty networks that charge for membership mm-hmm. or charge for a fee, whether that's as a subscription or, or whether that's a one-time fee, 77% of them are selling those plans. Mm-hmm. 77% are actually selling those plans. So if you... If you are using a Mighty Network to to either have your freemium model, don't charge for the community, but charge for private communities or courses within it, uh, or a paywall at the front of your community or your, your Mighty Network, um, you, you are highly likely to be successful. And then of those, um, uh, successful plans, sort of the medium price is $40 a month. So we're seeing that it's it is it is about the interests and passions and goals and lifestyle that you have and again that's going to lend itself really nicely to SaaS businesses because there is something underlying a SaaS business that is about what people want to achieve in their lives. Whether that's because you sell a great SaaS product to HR managers What do HR managers want to do? They probably want to get better. They probably want to become an HR director, probably want to get better at what they do. They want it to be, they they want to have that higher purpose. They want to have the things that allow them to tie what they're doing every day back to their principles and their values. So how can you help them do that in a community? If you think your community is just going to basically be an acquisition vehicle, it will be, but not because you talk about your product all the time. But You know, I used to have to say that a lot, like a few years ago, but I think at this point with content marketing, we all know it's not about a commercial for your product or service. It's about setting the context and helping bring value to your customer that then also includes your product. And a community takes that same ethos, that same, you know, that same approach and just puts it on steroids because now it's not just, you know, you talking out at them and them consuming, you know, we, no one needs to consume another article. And yet, you know, we are, we are all on content overload, but being able to be a part of conversations, be able to meet new and interesting people where you can actually, you know, talk about personalization, human to human contact, where people are sharing their stories, experiences, and ideas, that's as personalized as it gets. And you can create that with a community in a way that, you know, you'll never get to no matter how many, uh, you know, marketing tech products you set up on your website to try to make them as personalized as possible.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think email lists are are great, right? But there's, I think communities are replacing email lists in terms of what, what people want. You know, they don't yeah, want to do that. Yeah, well, and,
1: and, and take that one step further. So um, you know, then then it's the question of, oh, well, why wouldn't I just create a Facebook group? Well, guess what? Your Facebook group is not producing an email list for you. If anything, what you what what happens when you have your own community is that first of all, you own it. You get all you get on a mighty network, you get access to all the email addresses and all the member data because it's yours. It, and we set that out in the terms of service. Like, we're not trying to build an ad business, we're trying to build a business such that our interests are aligned with our hosts and that you can be wildly successful in building a community. That's our vision, that's what we care about. Uh, We wanna make it as easy as possible and as valuable as possible for every single host, every single brand, every single creator, every single entrepreneur. So then you use your community to feed your email list and use your email list to feed your community. Guess what that also delivers? More value to your members, more relationships or more reasons to come back than anything you can build in an email list, all with less work by you. You're you're essentially it's the difference between setting up a party or setting up a happy hour and having to give a keynote address where everybody's sitting in the audience on their phone. Yeah. What works better in 2022?
0: Oh, yeah, the conversation. Ten and ten and a half times out of ten. <laughs> so, awesome. Well, we're just we're just about out of time. So, let me do a quick fast fire. You absolutely crushed it. So, it was a pleasure having you on, Gina. Um, what would you say is your favorite book you've read in the last two years?
1: That's a great question. Uh, fiction or nonfiction?
0: Doesn't matter. Whatever. I I, I
1: divide. I keep them. I keep them separate, Ryan. Keep them separate. Okay. Um, I I actually would say. Um, I really, the, the, I would say the book that, that kept me thinking well after I was done with it was um, David Goggin's book.
0: Oh, okay. I thought that was can't amazing. Hurt it, can't, can't hurt, hurt me. me I,
1: I thought that was really, really good. Um, so I really enjoyed that. Obviously, Atomic Habits, you know, while while I will be in the minority and a contrarian in many respects, apparently not in liking Atomic Habits as the- most popular book of 2021.
0: <laughs> All right. What's your favorite podcaster show that you listen to?
1: Um, that is a really good question. I have really enjoyed recently uh, Mike uh, Berblia's podcast. Like, it's hilarious. He always has really mm-hmm. interesting people. He's an improv guy. Oh. Um, and it's like, they're, they're, it's basically comedians and improv folks that are like working out new material and my friend recommended it. Yeah. It's called okay. working it out with Mike Burblea.
0: Okay. I'm taking a note of that. I could use it. I could use a little humor
1: besides it, it, all, the, all is, the
0: nonfiction that I read, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's the one I have really enjoyed recently.
0: All right. So who's your favorite founder or CEO that you follow?
1: I wouldn't describe him as either a founder or a CEO at this point, but I think that um the person that is connecting dots and is doing it with such joy and smarts and humor is Packy McCormick and his not boring podcast or not boring um newsletter. I think he also might have a podcast. But I just I think that he is pushing the way I think about things further, faster and with joy um in ways that I think are are a net positive to being a technology founder and, and CEO in 2022.
0: You said Patrick McCormick? Is that who it's
1: Packy McCormick? Not Packy. Okay.
0: Packy. Okay. I love that. I've I've that's a, is that a him? Yeah that's a, it's him, a right? him. I've never I've never heard of Packy McCormick before, but I'm gonna check oh, him out.
1: Oh once once you hear about him You won't be able to not see him everywhere.
0: (laughs) Everywhere. Okay, cool. And then what's your favorite online tool that you can't live without besides Mighty Networks?
1: That's a really good – I mean, I I would have to say, I mean, the things that I use every day all the time, Slack, Mighty Networks.
0: Okay. And And last but not least, what is your advice that you would give to your 20-year-old self, knowing what you know now?
1: There'd be a lot. It would be longer than sort of one thing. But here, here's the thing that I would say is top of mind for me right now. Um, so I'd probably lead with this, which is the inputs that you take in. The, the mm-hmm. especially today when there is just so many different ways and people, people and ideas, and especially skepticism and cynicism can just seep into our skin just by like quickly going to a website being ruthless about your inputs is the number one thing any of us can do for success and and to to realize our goals and you know this this notion of making every day count not in like a like a carpe diem kind of way but literally it's like i have real goals in terms of bringing mighty networks and new and interesting communities to you know millions of people around the world as quickly as possible I want to make every day count. I want to count this experience in days, not weeks or months, and make it count. And the single best way I can do that today is be ruthless about what I take in.
0: That's beautiful. I'm a big believer of that, too. So, well, we are up on time. I could talk to you for another hour, probably, and hit you with tons (laughs) of questions. So you did an amazing job, Gina. It was a pleasure having you on. Where can people find you? Where can they find out more about Money Networks?
1: Well, I know this might take people by surprise, but MightyNetworks.com is a really great place to start. Um, and you can find our community access as well there. Uh, and then I'm on Twitter at Gina B. I was it was early, early at nice. on the Twitters. So anyways, um, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Thanks for being on the episode. And I'll talk to you soon. Thank you for checking out The Scale-Up Show. My mission in life is to help founders and revenue leaders avoid all the pain and suffering